All right, welcome to another episode of Break Away from the Rat Race. And today I'm speaking with Chris Miles of Money Ripples. Uh, Chris Miles is a cash flow expert and he used to be a financial advisor and now he claims to be an anti-financial advisor. Is that too big a claim? I don't know. We'll see about that. He's a leading authority in teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them. And this is something that is critical for me. And we'll talk about that as well. He's an author, podcast, and host of the Chris Miles, uh, Chris Miles Money Show. He's been featured on all kinds of critical uh, publications like US News, CNN Money, Entrepreneur on Fire, uh, Bigger Pockets. Uh, you can follow him on moneyripples.com as well as the, his show. So fascinating uh, discussion that we're going to have, I'm sure. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Eric. It's going to be All a right. lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about kind of like uh, your background a little bit. So you mm -hmm. used to be a financial advisor. And um, so how, what made you do the transition? And um, yeah, explain a little bit kind of like what that role was for you and how you helped investor that way and how you felt that you need to do some adjustment in your, uh, in your career. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be a business owner. And so the first opportunity that came along was becoming a financial advisor, right? Because they take anybody with a heartbeat who can actually pass the test. And yeah. that's what I did, you know, pass a bunch of tests. And uh, I became this financial advisor, right? This person that was supposed to help you to get, get rich, you know, over the long haul, you know? And uh, so anyways, I did that for four years. But after about four years, I'm one of those guys that I like to see evidence. I want to know that things work, right? And I started to notice that people that I was inheriting as clients from, from other advisors that worked with them for decades, they weren't much better off than the average American, right? They had, yeah, they had mutual funds and such, but they weren't doing great. Especially, you know, when I got in after Y2K, they were all mad at those financial advisors. They hoped that either they died or went to prison, right? Because they were yeah. so mad that their money crashed so hard. And, uh, and so I started to see that and I started to look at real numbers and realize that it's a pretty tough job for somebody to be able to become financially free using mutual funds, 401ks, IRAs, that traditional stuff. So of course, when the student ready, the teacher appears, right? And you know, uh, one, of, one of the guys actually trained to be a financial advisor quit to go do real estate investing. So he and his dad partnered up on some deals together and I, I decided to call him up in 2005, say, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, you know, how are things going? I hope you're broke so you'll come back to work for me, right? <laughs> but that wasn't the case at all. He said, Chris, things are great. In fact, my dad's doubled his income as a professor at the local university. And I was like, you just quit four months ago. How, how is that even possible? That's too good to be true. You know, like yeah, everybody, yeah. like we always hear in the, this kind of game, right? He's like, no, man, it's actually working. And so we got in this debate about what's better, stocks or real estate. And finally, he stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? Like, I'm not just talking about retired. I mean, they're not worried about money. They feel safe and secure. I said, well, none. I don't think any of them are really like they're all worried about running out of money, you know, or something like that. He said, well, that's a good job, Chris. Way to go. Uh, how about this? How many of your how many of the financial advisors in your office, including yourself, are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually off doing these investments? And I thought about it. And I was like, well, I know like guys are certified financial planners. I know the guys have been doing this for 30, 40 years since the late 70s even. And I said, well, none of them. And he said, well, there's your problem. And I said, well, give me the answer. He's like, I won't give you the answer because you just got done arguing with me. So, but if you're actually serious, get this book by Robert Kiyosaki called Who Took My Money? 
which says why mutual funds stink, right? That's one of the uh -huh. lesser known rich dad books. Yeah. And then listen to this AM radio show that these guys, these local real estate investors are doing to, you know, hear what they have to say. And so I did, I started absorbing all their information and stuff over the next few months. And by March of 06, I said, I'm done. I'm out. I quit. Like I'm out of here. There's no way I can keep teaching this and stay in integrity because I know it doesn't work. And, uh, and so at that point I just said, well, I'll keep doing mortgage, you know, I'll be a mortgage broker. Right. And then I'll teach ballroom dancing at the local university. I'll do that on the side, you know? And so I started doing that, but of course, you know, it drives me nuts when people know something I don't know. Yeah. And so I decided to like go search these guys out. I'm like, I want to know how you did it. Like, how do you, how do you guys become millionaires in your twenties and thirties? I was 28 at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, long story short, I, I started to learn the things they did both in business as well as with, with real estate and things like that. And it just blew up my whole world. Right. Because mm -hmm. the, the gap that I had as a, the mindset as a financial advisor and what we're always taught in the world is an accumulation mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. It's always been, you save up all this money, you yeah. know, to, you know, I, like I, my plan was accumulate $2 million by the time I was 40 and then yeah. live on less than the interest. Right. So I'd have at least a 60,000 year lifestyle because that would be an awesome middle-class lifestyle. Or so I thought in 2006, that actually sucks now, right? 60,000 is not much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 5,000 a month. Um, <laughs> So I was like, that was my goal. But yeah. when, when they started to switch my mindset around, I've noticed about what streams of income co actually come in. What's the real income? And I started really, you know, they did a lot of hard money lending and they did, you know, different stuff that way. And, and when, and they do a lot of flipping too, of course, because 2006, it was like flip central. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, so, you know, like the next thing I know, like by applying some stuff they taught me both in business as well as in real estate. I was able to develop these streams of income working a couple hours a week. And I was like, wait, I, I did the math. And I realized I was making four or 5,000 a month. I, at that time, I only needed 3,500 a month to be financially independent. Mm -hmm. So I realized all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute, I just did something I thought would take me till I'm 40 and I'm 28, yeah. almost 29 at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And it blew my mind. I was just like, wow, this is actually easier than I realized. Um, so long story short, 2007, I came out of retirement. I started teaching people how to do what I did. Then of course the recession hit and, uh, and I was starting to gamble at that point. I was starting to bank on appreciation with my real estate. So instead of cash flow, like, you know, I do with turnkeys now and stuff. Right. So, so instead I was now from like millionaire to upside down millionaire, I was in the hole over a million dollars. Um, wow. had to dig my way back out and finally did it again in 2016 where I was out of the rat race again. Yeah. So yeah, lot, lots of good, uh, good topics in here. Just that, that's for sure. But mm -hmm. I just want to point out to uh, just the last piece that you mentioned is about yeah. uh, kind of like, yeah, people I found very fascinating that people that have reached a peak that have they've been very successful, achieve financial freedom and wealth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they get destroyed, they get all the way back down and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and then a big hole, a million dollar hole. And then you look at them a couple of years later and they're back up to where they were after that. Yeah. So it's not about how much money you have or you start right. with and stuff like that. It's what you know and the and you taking action. This is what mm -hmm. makes the big difference. And this is what people need to realize. I know that a lot of people out there, a lot of people are have full-time job. They have a little bit of money. And they kind of like, oh, I don't have enough money to invest in real estate, or I don't have this, I don't have that. And they're just sitting on the fence, not taking action. So yeah. it's not about the money, it's about getting the skills that you need and then 
taking action. And that's that's the last part that people are not doing. They just kind of like kick yeah. the tires, look at all kinds of different things and find excuses not to to move forward. So I think that's that's very that's very good. And you can find a lot of these uh, investors. I mean, I mean, your story is very unique, but there are other investors like that that have lost lots of money. I, I've mm -hmm. personally lost like millions of dollars as well in 2001. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what happens. And then you kind of you kind of get back up and uh, you because you know what you you know, and you are able to uh, to get out of that by taking action, you know, you have less, maybe a little bit less fears. Um, the other thing too that I found very interesting is um, you mentioned like you know like who is who, have you known any of your clients? You're asking a friend at a financial advisors, uh, a financial advisor, and if how many of their clients have made you know made, made it rich, made millions of dollars and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and they couldn't point out to to one of them. Yeah, and um, there was a saying somewhere. I forget who did that, but it was it was kind of genius. They were kind of like walking in the New York Harbor and all of that, or not walk, was flying around New York Harbor and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and say, "Oh, well, this is uh, this yacht here is the yacht of uh, the guy, you know, top broker at Merrill Lynch, mm -hmm. and this is the top broker at uh, at uh, tele, uh, the other you know stock Morgan broker Stanley firms, Morgan Stanley right? and stuff like that, right? And then it's just like. And then the, the passenger is like, okay, well, where are the client's boats? Where are the client's yacht? Uh -huh. Assuming that these guys, you know, this, they, they'd be even bigger than the, um, they say, oh, no, these guys, they can't afford, <laughs> they can't afford a yacht. It's like, and that's exactly true. I mean, this is like, uh, this, this is a, it's not the, exactly a scheme, but I mean, the people that are getting rich the most in this without taking the risk, because they're just taking fees on everything. They're not mm -hmm. taking any risk and they have, uh, they they get their commission, their fees, and all of that. I mean, they're the one making the most money, and that's why they want yeah. to convince you to go and do more four hundred one k, more mutual funds, more, 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 mm -hmm. and not looking at something else. That's right. So it's, yeah, even if they're a fee based advisor, I've noticed, like whether they're commission based or fee based, the truth is they're all trained by the same companies, right? Mm -hmm. They're all trained by Wall Street companies to tell you what to believe, you know, to tell yeah. you how to create wealth as they call it right but yeah. the truth is that wall street doesn't even follow their own principles that they tell them to teach their clients right yeah. for example high risk creates high returns wall street doesn't believe that wall street doesn't take high risk they get their guaranteed fees off of you yeah. whether you make money or lose money right yeah if they were yeah. trying to take higher risk they'd say you know what if we lose money we won't take any fees in fact we'll pay you money back they'll mm -hmm. never do that right that yeah that's right yeah. charge you and most of the time they don't have to do squat. You know, it's uh, you can even do Vanguard index funds. They'll still charge you a fee and they don't do anything. You just yep. ride the waves, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing is that again, these financial advisors, just like I was like, we, we wanted to help people. Right. Yeah. But the answer wasn't there, you know, because again, like I, I, it was all theory. It wasn't real practice, but look at the richest people that are out there uh, besides yeah. the ones that are like good salespeople's financial advisors, like you pointed out with the yachts, right. Or the, yeah. Or the, yeah. the the fund managers even worse, right? They, they oh make yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and they're the ones making all the cash. But the people that actually really make money really make it in two places. They either make it in their business or they make it in real mm -hmm. estate. Yeah. Uh, even when I hear people saying, you know, like I'll have the occasional financial advisor say, "Well, I have this one client that actually is financially free off their investments." I said, "Well, where'd they make their money?" Mm -hmm. And it almost always has been like they sold a business and for a lot of cash and then they invested it. So the business yeah. was investment, not the mutual funds. Yeah. 
That was just yeah. the landing place, but it wasn't yeah, that they yeah. made the money, right? Yeah. Or or they made a bunch of real estate and then they sold the real estate and then maybe invested with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the powerful thing you got to understand is that you are the boss of your own money, right? You know, yeah. First off, these guys aren't financially free themselves. And I can tell you from years of experience, they aren't financially free. If you took away all their commissions and all their earnings, they would be scrambling for work like every other American, right? Yeah, like yeah. they just aren't there because here, let's do simple math, right? Um, you know, you always heard about the 4% rule of getting out of the rat race, right? Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. you know, you get enough mutual funds saved up pretty much if you get 25 times whatever you want to have. So if you want a hundred thousand a year, they say you've got to have two and a half million dollars. But understand that even over 15 years ago, when I was a financial advisor, we already realized that that number was too high. That was too high of a number because people are living longer. Uh, the yeah. returns aren't as great in the, in the markets as they were before. So just simply by math, you should only be pulling out two or 3% a year mm-hmm. off your fund. So if you want that same 100,000 a year, that means you need between 3.33 and $5 million saved up in those funds. Now, if I want 100,000 a year, and I even if I buy like turnkey real estate properties, and let's just say I get a conservative 10% cash on cash return, I only need a million bucks. Yeah, exactly. Way less. If I had that same yeah. three or $5 million, I'd be making 300 to 500,000 a year you yeah. know, or at least 250 a year, right? Yeah. And that's the difference is that you can get at least, and, and this, we're not even talking about appreciation, depreciation, you know, of the tax benefits. We're not talking about the, uh, you know, the ability for you to even, even your renters to pay down your mortgage for you. I mean, you put all those multiple returns together, conservatively, I usually make at least 30% a year in my mm-hmm. properties. Yeah. So yeah. Why would I ever go for a stock market that only averages in the last 30 years, 8.3%. That's what the mm-hmm. S&P 500 has done before they take out fees or taxes, right? Yeah. 8.3%. And that's a high number. Usually it's yeah. between seven and eight, right? But we've had 12 years of straight up. So that's thrown the numbers, skewed them the other direction. Yeah. So when you yeah, think about absolutely. that, like you just, when I ran the numbers as a financial advisor, that's why I couldn't keep staying. I couldn't stay there because <laughs> I put in 8% or 7% to be more realistic, right? Because yeah. you got to take out fees. And then you throw in taxes and then you put in real inflation rates instead of, mm-hmm. you know, one or 2%, which is what I was trying to do to make people feel hopeful. If I put yeah. in three, four or five, which is more close to reality, now it's almost impossible to retire. You, yeah. you can't do it. it, it you yeah. couldn't save enough. A 20 year retirement goal, by the way, if you want to live on 60,000 a year, based on average market returns, you have to save $8,000 a month to live on 5,000 a month in 20 yeah. years you know, of yeah. that same lifestyle give, factoring in inflation and stuff. Yeah. So when you really look at those numbers, you start to realize you can't do it there. You cannot do it with your 401ks and IRAs, even with a mm-hmm. match. It's got to be outside in these other investments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the key is definitely the, the leverage. The leverage is definitely a, a major factor in here because with only one fifth of the component, you can control uh, you know, a much larger asset. That much larger asset is also yes. going to appreciate and it's going to provide cash flow. I mean, mm-hmm. if uh, like one example that I take is say, just take a blank, uh, blank piece of paper and imagine the perfect, uh, the perfect investment. Don't have any anything. I want to have something that is going to provide cash flow, but it's also going to appreciate. That mm-hmm. has tax advantages for me, and uh, that's also going to be kind of like a, an edge against inflation. And that I can leverage. I can put as little money as I can. Well, you know, a certain a certain amount of money to control a bigger asset. Well, 
that's what that's my favorite investment right so what's what is that investment it happens to be real estate you can't really do that in uh, in the stock market i mean maybe if you do options and stuff like that you could do that but it would be very short term and it'd be very active and um but that that's about that's about it and then you don't have the tax advantages you don't have the cash flow you don't have a lot of the stuff that uh, that you would normally that you have with with real estate Yep. So definitely. I wrote an article also uh, a long time ago. It's actually on my blog uh, on martelturnkey.com. And uh, it's called the, the Tale of Two Investors. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a three-part three part series. And I basically, let's say you have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. And you know that when uh, Apple uh, did their initial IPO, um, mm -hmm. you basically invested in one turn. You invested the same amount of money in mm -hmm. a re rental property, single family rental and in Apple. And yeah. then you got all the benefits, all of that. The real estate, it was very, mm -hmm. the real estate investment was very passive. The real estate investment at the end in 2020 mm -hmm. was like, was a hundred times bigger than the, uh, than the Apple stock. Yeah. And that's having a crystal ball. If you look at the stock market today, and, you know, and so what you don't have a crystal ball, you have to pick the right stock, you have to pick mm -hmm. the, the right, uh, the right vehicle in order to be successful. Otherwise, you know, you're going to lose. That's right. So yeah, so that's, uh, that's something to that, that kind of an eye opener, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And how many people um, do you hear say, hey, if I would have just bought Apple or Microsoft exactly. back then or Starbucks and you know, yeah. the truth is that you still if you could just buy something that seems ordinary right to yep. some people it might seem ordinary it's like oh yeah that's real estate but it's risky yeah. real estate in my opinion is way less risky than riding yeah. waves in a market i have zero control over right yeah exactly i, I can, I can is, minimize yeah. the risk so much doing real estate you know especially yeah. if i'm doing my own i mean if i'm doing syndications i have to rely on somebody else to do it yeah you know, or funds but if i got my own real estate properties i can minimize those risks to very minimal amounts yeah, and you just wait long enough. I mean, you just, uh, you know, you, you would be able to uh, kind of go overcome any kind of like adjustment in the real estate. I mean, if you assume that we're kind of in a bubble right now, mm -hmm. uh, things are a little bit uh, priced a little bit higher than, uh, than it should. Yeah. You know, yeah, there might be a correction, but my uh, investment horizon, I don't have to sell the property. I'm interested in the mm -hmm. cash flow. Yes. So my investment horizon is like 50 years, 75 years. I, I, I also want to leave, leave a legacy for my, my children who are heavily involved in the business. But, uh, you know, then I, maybe I'm looking at 100 years, 125. What about my grandkids and stuff? So my time horizon is very big. Over that time horizon, uh, that piece of property that I buy today in Memphis or Cleveland you know, it's going to be definitely going to be higher value than what it is today. It's a guarantee. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I bought a Memphis property exactly three years ago, you know, just this last month. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing where, I mean, I look at the total returns with my cash flow, not even counting tax breaks, tax benefits. Yeah. I just consider that tax free income. Right. But with cash flow, uh, the mortgage being paid down and, and appreciation alone is about 150% return in three years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's hard to beat. Well, I mean, ask your financial advisor if they can guarantee you like a 40 to 50% return and they can't legally. They can't yeah. because it's not even anywhere in the ballpark. You know, it's yeah. nowhere close. And yeah, I mean, once, and I, and I like that you, you invested for cash flow. If, if I would have known that and, and really took that to heart before the last recession, I would have been much, much better off with my real estate. 
but I wasn't doing that. I was, I was going negative cash flow on properties, trying to think that I'd make some money on the appreciation when I sold. And, and that was just a gamble. You know, that was, yeah. and that was a gambler mindset, not an investor mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that you mentioned earlier too, you talked about accumulation mindset mm -hmm. and uh, this is so, so true. People are looking at uh, their, their bank account and they want to save a lot of money. They look at their 401k, they want to save a lot of money. Uh, because they're told, oh, you need you need 2.5 million, you need three million dollars in order to retire with five or six thousand dollars a month uh, yeah. at retirement and that kind of stuff. And uh, so they just keep accumulating, like blindly accumulating. Mm -hmm. Mind you, not accumulating enough because uh, you know apparently the median is only 212 for people that are 50 and over. So uh, definitely not enough, but. Um, so that accumulation mindset, it's not, it, it's not a good mindset to have when, when you're investing. Because if you look at your bank account, the money in your bank account is not working for you. It's actually, you're actually losing uh, money uh, because of inflation. So that's, this is very important to get, you want to have the money out. You want to have the money work for, work for you uh, in some kind of investment um, somewhere. That's right. Same thing with 401k. People invest in 401k, but it... They, they need to think about how am I going to convert that amount of money uh, at retirement. So the 4% rule that like you mentioned, yeah, you have to be realistic about that and make sure that you are on track to, to get there. How will that money, that 401k, be converted to a stream of income at retirement? And uh, it won't. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I run the numbers. It doesn't matter if you get a 100% match or not, you're not going to be able to legally save up enough money in that 401k to have a decent lifestyle. You will yeah. need the government support. You will need social security mm -hmm. if you think it'll even be around by the time you get to that point, right? Yeah, so yeah. you gotta, you just, I would just say, break away from all that crap. Like get away from that stuff because that stuff does yeah. not serve you. Even if you're like, hey, I'm 58. Well, why would you defer your taxes till a couple of years later when the, when the Democrats are already trying to vote in a bigger tax bill? You just mm -hmm. avoided paying tax at the lowest rate to then pay it higher a couple of years yeah. down the road. Like it makes no <laughs> logical sense to do IRAs and 401ks. It's just dumb. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell, tell me a little bit more about kind of like some of the roadblocks that you see. Like why, why aren't people like we, we've been talking about that for a while. You've been on, you know, US, US news. You've been on CNN money, all kinds mm -hmm. of different things. You've been preaching this uh, to everybody uh, yeah. also on your podcast and so why aren't people doing it? Well, it's because people confuse with, uh, they confuse common sense with common knowledge, right? And what I mean is this, is that some people believe that if everybody believes something, it's gotta be true, right? But the truth is majority of Americans, are they really financially free? I mean, they're not, right? It's the yeah. minority, but nobody ever asks, what's the minority doing? And a lot of people in this weird mindset think, oh, it's because they got lucky, right? or because they exploited somebody else. They think of this scarcity world. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. truth, it's very formulaic, you know, and mm -hmm. we get it because we've done it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's the problem is that, you know, I had a choice even a few years ago. I, I was, when I became financially independent again, I was like, well, maybe I'll just stop working, you know, and just stop doing my podcast, stop doing everything else. But then I realized like, no, like I feel like I have a responsibility to teach that. Yeah. And that's yeah. just for me. It doesn't mean everybody does that, but a lot of us that are free, don't mm -hmm. care. Like, why would I waste my breath trying to convince you that I've already proven something that's worked and you're yeah. not doing it, right? Yeah. Why would I waste my breath? But you believe that financial advisor that's broke themselves, 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, I like how Warren Buffett says that Wall Street's the only place where you see clients that show up in Rolls Royces take advice from from advisors that take the subway, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, well, that's we, a typical. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we believe that kind of stuff, and so yeah. you have to understand that what everybody is doing. If you just did the opposite, that's why I call it anti-financial plan, right? Or anti-financial yeah. advising is that you do the opposite of what everybody's been telling you to do. You've got mm-hmm. a better chance of succeeding because we've mm-hmm. already proven that people aren't succeeding with the mainstream plan. So mm-hmm. get away from the mainstream, stay away from that. But that's the hardest thing is because up here they think, yeah, but that's safe. And yeah. they think that somehow safe is less risky. But the truth is that, again, common knowledge that's been proven not to work is not safe, is actually higher risk creating lower or mediocre returns. That's really what the stock market is. Mutual funds are really high risk with mediocre returns. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about doing things like with real estate investing at whatever, whatever level, we try to lower the risk to generate higher returns. It's the opposite. And yeah. again, all this stuff has been taught to us by banks with billions of dollars advertising telling us that this is what's yeah. true, but it's not. And so yeah. if you're first, you have to break the mold of saying, this is what it should be. I should save my way to wealth, which people do not do. You know, saving is a good habit, but it's not the way to get to wealth, right? You've got to have, like you said, you got to have that that leverage. You got to have that ability to generate more, get your money really working hard for you. Um, the second thing I would say is like get your money out of prison. You know, we've been taught so much that accumulation mindset that we have to leave our money locked up, lock it up in equity in our house, lock it up inside the IRAs, these four hundred one ks. Don't touch. Bad. You know, no good. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but the the truth is that we actually want to get that money out of prison. And so a lot of people I've talked to recently, it's been more, hey, you've got your money locked in equity. What if we got the money working for you so it pays your mortgage payment and then some, right? Mm -hmm. What if we got your money unlocked out of your IRAs and 401ks or these savings accounts? I I had a guy just the other day, an attorney has 900,000 in savings because he doesn't trust the stock market, but he's also is like, I don't know what to do with my money. So because of that fear of the unknown, he does nothing. And he knows that's costly. It drives him bonkers, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the key is that, again, you know, knowing a clear path of what is the right place to use that money to get to create a return. You know, I told him, I said, with 900,000, we should be able to generate at least 90,000 a year. I mean, that's almost six figures a year. We could probably generate, if not more, uh, you know, conservatively, almost six figures um, with that money you have just sitting around doing nothing, you know, and Mm -hmm. And, and that's that's liberating for him because he doesn't want to work forever. He wants to have yeah. time with his kids, you know, he, while they still want him around. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I have some teenagers. They don't always want you around. You know, that's so right. Yeah. But it's more time for yourself. Life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So do it now. So yeah. I think that's a big thing. Um, I get other people, even if they do real estate investing, they think maybe they're doing the right thing and they listen to these podcasts. But then I see their properties and the return on equity is horrible. Right. Yeah. Especially if they come from the West Coast. Like it's even yeah. worse. Like yeah. anytime I get somebody from the West Coast says, Yeah, I have a rental property here. I was like, Okay, you should probably sell it. Yeah. Well, do you want to know the numbers? I don't need to. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, I just, this is incredible. I mean, it doesn't make people, uh, this, we started trying to invest here in, in mm-hmm. California. That's where we live. We live yeah. in uh, LA right now. And yeah, I mean, the numbers don't, don't make sense. Even the, the flips, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, in absolute numbers, oh, I made $200,000. Uh, return on that like profit on that so oh, okay well how much did you put in i said i put like four million dollars it's like this oh you mean you made 0.2 percent yeah. return and you're happy with that 
Well, yeah. you know, like you take all the risk. I mean, it's like, it's insane. Yeah, I have a client and, with a rental property in California there that uh, he lives in San Diego, right? He's got his own house that he's trying to pay down and pay off. And then yeah. he's got the rental property he's trying to pay off. And yeah. I asked him about the net cash flow. It was 200 a month, but he has 700,000 of equity. Oh, wow. I mean, like it was almost like what you're saying, like point nothing yeah. percent he's earning on this. Well, well, the thing is, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, which, if you wanted to cash flow, then you have to put a lot of cash. I mean, you have to, you basically, you, you can't use maximum leverage if you wanted to cash flow. Right. And that kind of goes counter to what we've been saying in the beginning. You want to, the nice thing about real estate is to have as much leverage as you can, because mm -hmm. that is, that is going to be, is going to determine your return is going to help you. Yep with cash flow you're going to be able to you know appreciation and everything so yeah but yeah i mean so that this is good so so one of the things i think it's like it's really about finding a mentor i think also that that would be very important so because yes. your financial advisor just understand that the role of the financial advisor is very limited they've been trained they're not not phd they took they took the subway to get to work and then um you know, which is a good visual, uh, but uh, yeah. So find find a mentor, somebody that that you know that's close by, that's within your network, that has been uh, that has achieved what you want to do, and ask them questions. The real estate uh, investment community is a great community. Everybody shares all all their information. They help each other. I mean, it's rare to see a community like that where uh, I, I never find that I'm in actually in in competition with anybody I'm, I'm kind of always collaborating because you never know that oh i want to buy something i want to invest in some apartment building i need investors so i need to call all my my friends uh to invest in that so it's a very strong community and uh it's a very positive environment you have to also figure out there's like there's the the so the mentors like that like people that you know that are close to your network that you know that you kind of vet and you can trust i think this is something that's very important you also have a bunch of you know gurus on uh unfortunately on youtube where i am and where you are yep. um how do we differentiate between the two of us and the the non true <laughs> the non true uh, coaches and mentors out there that are really um, they may not be as I don't know they, they, they may not be as honest or as uh, helpful as uh, as they should be. Yeah, it it, it can be tough, right? Um, I mean, I'll tell you this from my own experience: the best method I've used to deter or get away from those people is using my gut. Just mm. going with your intuition, right? Because you can feel when somebody's being kind of slimy or salesy, or something just doesn't feel right when it's not aligned. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think the best way to to know that is be by being a person of integrity yourself. If you're a person of integrity, you're not BSing yourself, you're not lying to yourself, but you're being honest, right, about the the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life and what's going on in your situation. The more honest and integrity you you have with yourself the easier it is to spot people that also are the same way. They have mm. honesty and integrity. You know, they are the real deal. Yeah. And it's tough. I'll tell you because yeah. I'm not trying to name names, but like, you know, I hear a lot of people starting to complain about Grant Cardone, right? Because mm -hmm. investment's going bad with him. Well, what do you expect? He was the 10 X business guy that all of a sudden decided to jump into real estate or whatever else he could do because he has that leverage, and that power of mm -hmm. the network, but it doesn't mean he's a good investor. Right. Yeah. But how many people went and went down that rabbit hole because Grant Cardone was successful over here, 
but he wasn't successful over here in the real estate game, right? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you got to leave. You know, you got to really look for. And and I like what Tony Robbins says. He says success leaves clues, right? Mm -hmm. Who are the people around those people that are getting results? You know, and yeah. it might be few in number, but if it's a higher percentage than like the other people that might be the gurus that have millions of followers, but it's just a teeny percentage of those people that are the the great testimonials they put on their website. Yeah. You got to really question if they're legit. You know, it's it's hard to tell. But again, I would yeah. I always come back to one first and foremost being a person of integrity and honesty mm -hmm. and then using your intuition you know because yeah. you will vibrate you will attract the very person that you are so mm -hmm. if you're if you're full of bs you're going to attract bs people and you're going to get duped all day long right yeah don't yeah. be a gambler don't don't be that person be somebody who's looking to get real success mm -hmm. yeah so uh, yeah and I, I like that i like that saying like success leaves clues uh, because uh, yeah i mean it talk to other people that's why i think like if it's somebody within your network that has succeeded um you're they're much more likely to be like true people instead of some kind of persona uh, yeah. that is very well known uh, and also that is kind of disconnected if they're making like you know 10 100 million dollars a year and here you are making sixty thousand dollars a year and you're trying to kind of like build a passive income portfolio, it's going to be hard right. to, uh, to connect the two. Hard to relate. In, uh, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I think that's why if it's, if it's somebody that's, you don't have to find somebody extraordinary to help mm -hmm. you achieve it. I, in fact, I think somebody that is ordinary that has uh, successfully achieved financial freedom would probably be more helpful than uh, somebody. And they're not going to, uh, most of them, I mean, they're not going to charge money um to help you and answer some questions i mean if people ask me questions all the time and i don't i don't start the clock and say okay well <laughs> here's my invoice so you know we answer questions all the time and i'm sure you're doing the same on uh, on youtube and uh, on your right. channel and stuff so and on your website so yeah. that's what we do uh, and the other thing to the, the visual is about getting your money to work for you. I think it's kind of unnerving sometime when you have, and even, even for me, like I had, uh, like I'm looking at bank account for some, one of my business. And I always look at, I look at cash flow. So I know that this is critical. I mean, I built, I built a tool to basically monitor cash flow. So I know exactly kind of like the money that's coming in, you know, from rent, but also from selling the turnkeys and stuff like that, the money that's going out for buying the turkeys and the turnkeys and the, uh, and the rehabs and stuff like that. And I closely monitor that. And it's not about, and I don't focus on accumulation. If I don't look at the balance sheet uh, every, uh, on a regular basis, I look at cash flow. I want to make sure that the, my cash is working for me and that it's coming back and then I obviously don't want to go negative. So that's, I want to just hover just above the surface because that way I know that my money is working and then I just have a little cushion in case like, okay, well, there's a, something unpredictable. I have to, you know, put another 50 or a hundred thousand dollars into something. And, but that's unnerving. It's kind of like you're our, a fighter pilot and you kind of like, you're kind of uh, uh, flying just at the surface of the water. I mean, it's great and all of that, but yeah, you make, you, uh, you want to make sure that you have a sufficient cushion so that you don't, uh, you don't fall in the water, but at the same time, you want to 
you want to be there. You don't want to be too fly too high and then uh, kind of uh, have that money just sitting around and, and basically being destroyed slowly by, uh, by inflation. That's right. And um, so that's, that's what I think. I think that the monitoring the cash flow, monitoring that is, is much more important than and focusing on that. Uh, on building the passive income and then the, building the net cash flow is uh, is critical, and that's what people should focus on instead of having like a huge savings account and a huge four hundred one k. That um, so uh, the other thing too, I always imagine kind of that money. Whenever I see this money, uh, I always imagine it or equity in the house. I always imagine it as as, as if it was sitting on my couch, not doing anything, and it was like. That drives me crazy because I see that and say, oh, yeah, here I am. I'm working my uh, my tail off at work and stuff like that, nine to five. And here I come. And my my equity in the house is uh, is watching TV and stuff like that and drinking a beer. Uh, and it's that 30 year old that hasn't moved out of the house yet. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So that was a good visual for me to to kind of like imagine oh, we have to have to get that money to work for you. This is absolutely critical. And you have to start early to figure out how, the, how am I going to convert that money into a stream of income? That's right. You know, it could be real estate. It could be if you figure out some other ways to do it, just mm -hmm. figure it out. But convert that cash into a stream of income. It's a lot more valuable than uh, than having the cash sitting in the bank. Agreed. Yeah. Now I have to ask you, why do you have a flamingo on your back? <laughs> That's because my wife's from Venezuela, and then oh. when she was seven, she moved to Florida. So oh. she got the she's flamingo in her soul. In fact, oh, I see. She's packing up her office, about ready to move into a new home. So it's like, oh, this nice. Is, this is the most messed up my office has been in a long time. <laughs> that was funny because I, you know, every everybody I talk to, they kind of have like some some backdrop or something like that, or sometimes you put something interesting. Um, and then here you have a pink flamingo in the back. Oh, it was, it was interesting. You're getting it real. There's no, there's no little screensaver back there. This is the real, real right. life thing. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, um, so Chris, anything else uh, to, that you want to mention that you want to discuss before we, we wrap it up? You know, I, I think just the biggest thing is, is really just questioning everything you've been taught about money, right? Just breaking away from that mainstream typical thinking, because if you think like the mainstream, you'll end up like the mainstream, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's why like, you know, we talked about this before we went on the air. Like I even do things with designing like infinite banking policies, right? Yeah, yeah. Use life insurance. The cool thing with that is if you use it right, you can actually double dip on your money. You can actually get your investment money to pay you twice. Um, so if I make 12% on my turnkey cash on cash return, I can make at least another 3% on top of it if I use it this correct way. So there are different ways to do it. But again, just like real estate, not all that's created equal, right? And so yeah. like you said, the best thing to do is find a mentor, find a way to do it correctly. You know, just do yeah. it the best way you can and, and make it work for you so you don't have to keep working so hard for the money. Exactly. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for your time. Again, you can uh, see Chris on his podcast, The Chris Smiles Money Show, and uh, also on moneyripples.com. Anywhere else they can reach out to you? Is that the best place? Those are the best places for sure, especially if you want to check stuff out. Obviously, there's social media. You can find Money Ripples on Facebook as well. Okay, very good. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.